No, because I Good afternoon. My name is uh, Joaquin Romero. I'm with the media team here at the Senate Republican office, and I'm joined here by uh, our members of our illustrious uh, Senate Republican, uh, the Senate Republican members of the Finance Committee. Uh, joining us as well, since Senator Woods is absent, is uh, former DFA Secretary Tom Clifford um, to help provide some insight on this year's budgeting process. Um, so I want to kick it right over to the senators and, and get started with uh, where are we at in the process? So here's where we are. All through the summer, the Legislative Finance Committee has been working, trying to figure out what's going on, taking testimony from everybody. And now the, it's House Bill 2, as it is always. And it's still in the House. It's going to be over there until the middle of next week. Uh, as they put it together and they vote on it and finalize it, then they'll send it over to us in the Senate and we'll fix it. And then we'll send it to the governor to sign. Wonderful. Okay, well, I want to get into some of the positives that we're seeing in this budget. Um, you know, we, we let's start with rebates. Senator Scherer, last year, um, you were a champion on, on getting rebate checks back, back into the hands of New Mexicans. Um, where are we at with the process this year? So last year, certainly, uh, what I was looking at is we way overtaxed people. We had a lot of extra money. And so the idea was that we overtaxed you, we owe it back to you. And so that's what we did. The governor opposed that until it polled well. And now this year, she's all on board with rebates. So, so I, I don't have to push it anymore because she's going to do it. Uh, the rebates are, are fine. Uh, this year, we have enough money to do real tax reform and rebates. And so this year, I'm pushing real tax reform. So I think what we're going to do, if, if holds true from what we hear, uh, $750 uh, per person or $1,500 for the, uh, the the married couple. And uh, then we'll go from there. I think there's some additional money possibly for dependents. I'm not sure. I don't. Th I think that is not decided as yet, but that's, uh, I think, where we're headed at this point. Wonderful. Uh, Senator Diamond, do you want to touch about uh, on um, some of the other topics, such as uh, wildfire relief, um, some of the other major opportunities we might have in um, spending for, for some of those families? Sure. Both, both Senator Burt and I both experienced wildfires in our district. Before we go there, Joaquin, I want to give credit where credit is due and thank uh, the oil and gas industry out there for the surplus of this money. We recognize uh, you know, that golden goose and where, who's laying it. Um, but we just want to make sure that every New Mexican who's tuning in understands that this surplus is money is the direct result of a very strong oil and gas industry. And in order for New Mexico to continue forward, we need to support that industry. So thank you uh, to Southeastern, the Permian Basin out there for uh, really for making all of this possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the size of the budget. I mean, where are we at ballpark? And then let's talk about uh, maybe where we're at ballpark this year compared to previous years. I mean, I know we're looking at a massive budget compared to even just last year. Uh, $9.4 so million, billion. billion dollars. Mm -hmm. But I also want to say this, $9.4 billion is all the media says. That's, that is just recurring revenues. And I think Senator Scher, you mentioned this one time in Senate Finance, that if we, if we accepted all the proposed spending that's being tossed around there, we're spending like Eleven, twelve billion dollars. Twelve billion dollars is what we're asked to spend. We're spending nine point four, which is a billion more than we spent last year, which is a billion more than we spent the year, the uh, year before. So, and do you guys think we we're putting enough in reserves? I mean, this Senator Diamond mentioned this is um, obviously spurred by great oil and gas activity from 
on the southeast corner of the state? Where are we at with reserves? Well, you know, the reason we have reserves, uh, especially at the level they are now, uh, which is about 30 percent, uh, I think most of us are concur that it should be at least 35 percent, uh, only because oil and gas is volatile. Every study that we've done says that we need to reserve a lot more money because of the up and downs for oil and gas. Uh, we're kind of on one of those upswings right now, so we're, we're benefiting from an additional $3.6 billion over and above what we need to do to build a budget. Uh, and then uh, it has trickled in after the, we decided on, on the amount that we're going to use, uh, and that is where our junior money comes from. Junior money is, is the little overage that is dispersed to uh, senators and House members uh, so that we can take it back to our communities and help with some of the smaller projects, uh, parks, you know, covering playground equipment, uh, helping with uh, finish up uh, sewer lines, water lines, uh, uh, things of that nature, police cars, uh, sheriff's cars. We try and uh, take care of that as well. Uh, so that's, you know, what we're looking at right now with regards to the budget. But I, I remind everyone that uh, we are going to build a $9.4 billion budget for a state that has 2.3 million people in it. And for me, I want to see more results out of the money being spent. Um, and it's hard to do. Uh, anyone who knows, well, let's take education for an example. Uh, public education, you need three years of tracking with regards to testing and so on and so forth to find out trends to see if you're moving forward, uh, you're staying flat or you're actually losing ground. And we've had four or five secretaries of education in four years. You, you can't even get started testing, much less get trends of when that happens. Uh, so we continue to throw money at, at these different departments, help every department in the state uh, without getting any kind of results. And I think for me as a taxpayer, and I think for many people out uh, who may be listening, watching, whatever the case may be, they would like to see some results. They'd like us to be out of the cellar in education and, and have kids performing better in math and English and science uh, and uh, maybe getting some folks off of the Medicare dole roles uh, to make it a healthier state and move the state forward. We're past COVID now. Let's let's do something positive for the state. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Tom actually showed me a very interesting um, statistic, you know, talking about the volatility of oil and gas. Um, Tom, do you want to address uh, just some of the analysis that we've seen yes. um, in some of the some of the ways that um, we should be budgeting and looking at the future? Yeah, uh, sure thing, Joaquin. And, you know, you had asked, you know, do, you, do we think these reserves, as big as they are compared to what we've had in the past, are going to be adequate? Um, and we've done some sensitivity analysis on the, the revenues if the oil price were to come down. Uh, and we did one scenario at $50 oil, which really is kind of a medium price for oil the way it's been in recent years. Currently, it's around 75. But if oil were to come down to 50, uh, this reserve would only, it would be pretty much exhausted by the end of next year. And we would already be looking at cutting back uh, from the budget that we're, um, you know, building right now. So really, that's not as much insurance as the big headline number looks like uh, when you look at the 2.7 billion, because uh, $50 oil is totally, you know, could happen tomorrow. And so, Very easy. you know, we, we're not, we, we have insurance, but probably not as much as we wish. Yeah. What's that line you like to say, Senator Scher, 
about so, one heck of a Saturday night, something like that. The, <laughs> the, the rich plan for two generations, the poor plan for Saturday night, and I think the state's about to have a heck of a Saturday night. <laughs> well, let's talk about that Saturday night and these agency requests. Uh, almost every agency we heard over the interim during uh, the Legislative Finance Committee, which is a recurring uh, you know, monthly meeting that members from the House and the Senate Finance Committees get together, hear agency presentations. Um, you know, They all heard that the, the state coffers were overflowing and came with massive agency request uh, bumps, even though a lot of them have a lot of vacancies. Um, you know, what we're, we're looking at almost 100% of these agency requests being filled. Uh, I mean, do you think that's appropriate? Do you think that's sustainable? One of the things that, that worries me is almost every agency that has come in has asked for the low end, about 13% increase, the high end, double. Yeah. And, and you know, as we're sitting there, uh, well, we're, we ask questions. But so many on the other side of the aisle are just sitting there going, yep, yep, we'll give it to you, yep. But for what return? That's always my question. So you give you an, an, uh, an increase, what is the return on that increase? And we're not seeing it. I want to I want to echo what Senator Shares saying. I think that a lot of people think that Republicans there, especially on finance, are just a, a vote of no, no, voice of no. And we're not scared to spend money. What we want to do is we want to make sure that there's a return on that money and we're investing the money wisely. And so as these agencies come before us, we're not an immediate no. If, if they can bring uh, uh, programs and projects and even if it's an expansion that, that show a good return and that this is money well spent, I think we're open to that. The problem is that a lot of requests aren't. And uh, you touched on a little bit earlier, a lot of the requests that they're bringing forward aren't even one-time non-recurring ex expenses, they're requesting um, expansion, a massive expansion within their agency that's unsustainable because we know oil and gas, it's not it's not if, it's when, goes down. We don't want to be sitting in the same seats, kind of with an I told you so, but still having to make hard cuts, lay people off. And that's when New Mexico is really going to feel the pain is when we have to claw all this back. And, and we don't want to be saying I told you so. We want to say it right now and we want to move forward with caution and make sure that we're spending these dollars as wisely as possible. You know, in 2016, I think it was 2016, we we told all the agencies to reserve funds, uh, put it away for a rainy day, and the rainy day came, oil and gas went south, not quite as bad as it did in what, 08, 09 in that right. period. Uh, but we were in that boat that, mm -hmm. that uh, Crystal was talking about. Uh, everything went south and we had to go. We, we did shaving, what's what they call shaving, 4% shave off of everything. Uh, but we also went after all those reserves. We tell the agency reserve funds, and we go take it back from them. Uh, and, and that impacted uh, the agencies. You know, uh, it impacted people's jobs. It impacted people's hours. So that was very painful. You swept and school boards, too. We, Is that school correct? boards. I mean, every agency was impacted by this. And the bigger the agency, the, more, the bigger the reserves, the more we took back. Uh, and by the way, with no guarantee or promise that we'd ever repay it, and we have not repaid that. Now, because we've 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 had a few good years, they've been able to uh, refill those reserves and probably put them in a much higher uh, place than they were at that particular time. Uh, but that, for us uh, in the Senate and the House, was very painful because they agencies did what we asked them to do, and then it's like uh, we lied to them and we reneged on that, and we had to take the money back. I don't want to go through that again. So, as a final note on the reserves, I'm hoping that out of the 3.6 billion, I think the plan, I think the plan is 
to put one billion into those reserves so that it will begin drawing interest uh, over the next 10 years or so when we finally hit that that point where oil and gas falls below the line that we need to build the budget and maybe if we are smart thinking and forward thinking and plan 10 years out like we're doing today we will at least be able to compensate for a portion of that uh, if we don't put some of this money in reserves i i think well i have a lot of things i would say but i think we're doing a real disservice to the state of new mexico if we don't prepare for the future yeah absolutely well, you know, I mean, we could talk about the large increase in, in Medicaid spending, picking up the tap for, you know, essentially what what was generated by federal emergency expansions. And, but I think that all kind of falls into the same category, right? I mean, we're growing our budget to, to, to a potentially unstable and unsustainable level. Um, I mean, is, is there any, uh, you know, major concerns within some of those recurring spending um, besides the agencies that you guys are worried about? Um, so there's a, there's a couple of things that have to do with health insurance. Uh, certainly the teachers union has asked the taxpayers of New Mexico to pay the full insurance bill for our teachers. And I think the thing that we miss here is not that, you know, we love our teachers, but it's other taxpayers then that that money comes from to do that. And it's the same with other state employees. Our state employee uh, health insurance fund is in trouble bad trouble. And, um, you know, there's things that we that we could be doing, and all of those things are off the table. So we should raise premiums some. Mm -hmm. We should put some money into it some. But for whatever reason, we've decided, no, we're just going to let the taxpayers cover this, uh, unrelated taxpayers. Again, it's not that we <laughs> dislike the, the state employees, but we'll, in the budget case, we simply forget that it's the taxpayer outside this building that's paying that bill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Tom, is there anything, um, you know, that, that you is really, really stands out to you? I mean, you've served in the administration, you know how these dollars are doled out on the other end of the budget making process. I mean, what are some of the concerns you might have um, as a former secretary? Yeah, I think um, going back again to your question earlier about, you know, where do we see um, sort of unsustainable trends? I mean, there's a lot of unspent money uh, that's on, in already been appropriated, but has not been spent. And that's partly we're hearing, well, it's hard to recruit people. It's difficult job market and so on. Um, but we also see flat or declining caseloads in agencies with growing budgets. And so there's kind of a there's a widening gap. And uh, we're seeing this in education. We saw it in the in the. Uh, criminal justice system as well, and uh, even in the childcare uh, uh, area. So, you know, those are large budget items. And there's, and there's a, <laughs> this combination of a declining caseload and increasing spending, and really no explanation as to why, where's that money going? I think there are people in the legislature who see a problem and they think the only way to fix the problem is to throw money at it. And, and I say oftentimes it's not the money we spend, it's how we spend the money. Uh, there are many folks in this legislature who I don't believe uh, have a good handle on how to apply money in proper fashion. And so, so consequently, we don't see the results that we uh, want to see out of, again, the, the bigger agencies like health and, and corrections and PED and so on and so forth. 
Let's talk about accountability. I mean, you just mentioned an, an important item that, you know, we're, we're, we're dumping money into these agencies that are, are very important. I mean, CYFD, mm -hmm. Public Education Department, I mean, we want to see these agencies succeed and we keep appropriating more and more money, uh, particularly in education. Um, you know, can, can we just kind of kind of dial in a little bit on that accountability factor that's missing? You know, what what does our what do our senators, what do our legislators and appropriators, um, what and and more than that, the the taxpayers, um, where is that accountability um, missing step? What, and what do we need to see in the future to feel more comfortable with these increases? So one of the things that that, that I see is we keep putting more and more money into public education lot more money into public education and yet 13 percent of our eighth graders can read at grade level 13 percent uh slightly more uh are proficient in math uh but still those numbers are so small uh that it's just it just feels like we're wasting money there i am convinced that there's something else that, that you know it's not money that's the problem it's our systems it's something that's causing this and that's what I would like us to see. It's what I would like to see uh, our entire education infrastructure look at and say, okay, why are we failing? Uh, and, and we know that other states, you know, we used to say, thank God for Mississippi because they were always below us, but now they're not. <coughs> so what did Mississippi do? You know, another agency that really hasn't had a return that came before us yesterday was CYFD. We continue that 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 agency continues to expand and grow and continue to put more dollars into it. And yet New Mexico still continues to see some of the most horrific cases of child abuse in the nation. Yeah. And so clearly it's not a money problem there. It's a management problem. And and I think we're trying to hold them accountable when they come before us. And, and here's something else. I mean, the agencies, for example, uh, everybody complains they can't hire people and, mm -hmm. and hiring someone in the state of New Mexico takes a minimum 90 days, usually much longer than that. And in, in 90 days, you know, you're looking for other jobs and we lose good people oftentimes. Uh, point being is that you have all these, what we call uh, FTEs, full-time employees, uh, that not only we, we have budgeted for, but also their insurance and their retirement and so on and so forth as part of the package when we hire these folks. And all that money is tied up. And so for CYFD, they had 160 vacancies. I think 90 of those, correct me if I'm wrong, 90 of those were paid uh, salaried uh, positions. And they had not filled those as yet. They're trying to fill those. And then on the back end, they come in, they want 60 more full-time employees. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's, it's frustrating, a pretty easy it? process to change the designation of this was going to be a counselor. Now it has to become an attorney who's working these CYFD issues. Uh, and, and you have a little flexibility to move money around to, to make it worth their while, if you will. Um, I don't think agencies oftentimes look at this from a, a business, a private sector perspective. They look at uh, the, the state has all this money, and so we just ask for more money, and we'll apply this money over here. We have more, more money to apply over here. We don't even look at the money they have in the agency on top of all the big reserves that each agency has and how we can effectively apply that money. And I think that goes to your question about accountability. There is no accounting for uh, oftentimes the money that is spent or in reserve somewhere. They just keep asking for more money because that is the attitude of the way we fix something is throw more money at it.
And to follow up on that, Senator Burt, they asked for, they were sitting on, I think it was 80 FTEs yesterday that were funded. You're totally right. We, yeah. we had already funded that they hadn't filled. They came with a uh, request of us to fund 60 more available positions. Yeah. We would be happy to do that if there was a return. There's no reason to fill that. My question as they left was, are you also coming to the legislator with proposed legislation to keep children safe? And they hadn't. They hadn't introduced any legislation. So all they're doing is coming to the legislators to ask for money. But they aren't asking for any guardrails of how we're going to keep our kids safer. Grow the bureaucracy, but don't try and fix what your agency does and the failings of that particular agency. Exactly. We've got to get back to, you know, what's the curriculum in a schoolroom and the teacher in the classroom? What is, is the purpose of the CYFD to keep children safe and healthy within the state of New Mexico? Uh it's not for them to come ask for more money. It's for them to perform on the money that they have. Well said. Well, that's good. I appreciate that. Um, so I want to go to just a couple of questions here from the from the audience. You know, uh, this individual, um, let's see, uh, Leslie asked, uh, you know, why don't we spend it on water conservation, something like that? Uh, and, I, and I'd like to go to maybe the broader question of one-time expenditures for one-time projects, you know, uh, and, and I don't know if, this individual was talking about water infrastructure, but you know, in a, in a broader sense, you know, uh, what are some some big projects that you get that are on your radars um, that we're funding as a state? Um, so, so infrastructure, including water infrastructure, uh, one-time non-recurring money is money well spent. I think mm -hmm. we're advocating that roads, bridges, dams, water infrastructure. That is where we need to spend one-time money because it's for a long time big and ignored. When we talk specifically about conservation and natural resources, both Senator Burt and I will be addressing the wildfires that did a lot of damage in our areas. Um, in my case, the Black Fire burned over 300,000 acres. I've teamed up with Senator Kariya Hemphill, who also sits on Senate Finance, uh, to provide a little bit of funding, in this case, $3 million for our local governments to tap into um, to put some some forest rehab and restoration projects on the ground. Uh, we'd like to get an emergency clause on that. We knew that as soon as that first flame went up, we knew that when the first raindrop fell with floods that we were going to see a problem. So yeah. our areas were not just devastated by the fires, but what the fires didn't burn up, the floods took. Mm -hmm. And so it's we, we need to uh, we need to get money on the ground as soon as possible. Senator Compost, we know, uh, really put his bill on a fast track. I think we were disappointed to see that our fires weren't going to be addressed in that. And so we right. took uh, we took it upon ourselves to introduce individual legislation. And Senator Byrd, I, I believe you've got um, some plans to address the McBride fire. The McBride fire, which was a devastating fire up around the Redoso area. Uh, quite frankly, if the, the, the traditional winds had not been blowing the way they were supposed to, it would have come down the ridge. And literally, the first thing it would touch was the, I believe it was the high school there. Uh, and, and from there, it would have gone into the business sector of uh, uh, the community. Uh, two to 300 homes and structures burned. Uh, FEMA uh, reimbursement is very slow coming and oftentimes doesn't come at all, uh, although there's oftentimes promises of that. So uh, the McBride fire, our, our request is $20 million. Here's a little niche in this whole process, though. Much of this land is, is state land, and there's a problem with anti-donation clause, and you can't use these funds on the, on the state lands, even though a rancher may lease big portions of land. They had barns on it. Maybe their, their home was uh, somehow adjacent to that and was impacted by the fire. You won't be able to apply those, those uh, monies, even if, you, even if you get them, 
And so we need to look at the anti-donation clause, at least some exceptions to be able to help people who have been through a disaster, such as a fire in New Mexico, and be able to uh, circumvent that anti-donation clause, at least for those particular uh, events. And so that is something as legislators we're going to have to address. Uh, I don't know if we have enough time this session to do that or not. Uh, there but seems to be a, a, an effort to do that. I will tell we're talking about spending money to come in for natural resource and, and conservation efforts. But a good point that you bring up all the time, Senator Share, isn't just we're dealing now because we are we are. Uh, dealing with the aftermath of poor conservation me measures. Senator Scher, often you talk about um, why are we going in there and grazing, thinning, doing you know prescribed burns to keep these forests more healthy in the first place? So uh, I think the, the big problem that we have with water is that we don't start at the top of the mountain. Uh, we talk about a ditch. Um, but, but if you look at every mountain as a giant water tank, how do you get the water into it? Well, currently what we're doing is we're... Uh, we're not managing it, so it's overgrown, and what moisture hits it from rain or snow, a lot of it, it literally evaporates off the trees because they're so thick. What does get to the ground, then there's a lot of competition for that water from all of the, the vegetation down there, so the water doesn't get in the water tank. I know some people say, oh, he wants to clear-cut forest. No, proper management means that the a forester who knows says, well, there should be 70 trees per acre here, or 100 trees, or 40 trees based on other factors around there. And so how do we get there? Well, A, if we allowed logging in there with controls from the state or the federal government, so you're not clear cutting the forest, you're cutting down the trees you need. If you pull out that underbrush, you turn it into to useful things. They could be wood pellets for your stove, or they could be two by fours. Uh, then you let the cattle graze in there now, the water that hits the top of the mountain gets into the water tank, which ultimately flows out into the, the streams and rivers and then gets to the irrigation ditch eventually so you can grow green chili. All that's, but, but we don't take it that far upstream. We did have a bill in front of us the other day, uh, Senate Bill 9. Senate Bill 9 was that water conservation bigger picture. I don't think it was a big enough picture, but it was certainly a bigger picture than we've ever done before. It had wonderful things in it, but it had a poison pill too. And that poison pill was that the state could buy as much land as they wanted to buy from private ranchers. And, and we think that's a problem. So we have a bill that we're bringing to try to solve that. But when you look at it, oh, well, uh, you know, the Republicans voted against this. Well, we voted against the poison pill, the concept we love and we want to support and hopefully we can fix it before it gets to the end. I want to start to wrap up here, but uh, one more question. Uh, lots of, uh, it's a very, very long question, but it, I think the root of what he's, what uh, Mr. Spencer is asking is, uh, you know, in essence, what is the, the, the state's relationship to our local governments? You know, how is the state working with local governments, um, to, you know, to improve our infrastructure needs? You know, how is the, what is the, the relationship like there? And that might be a question for Tom as well, I, you know, as a former, you know, uh, cabinet secretary. Right. I think I have a I have a top down view of the whole how the capital outlay process works. But I think the senators actually are better positioned because they work very closely with their communities on um, local projects. Uh, the state does manage larger projects uh, through the 
engineer's office, uh, highway, you know, transportation. But I think you all know, yeah. you know, you're, I've observed you constantly uh, in conversation with your local communities about the highest priority projects well, that you have. Do you guys want to address some of those yeah. capital outlay projects you're working on in your communities that, that at least you're aware of? Yeah, and just briefly, in, in, in our particular southeast New Mexico and, and uh, uh, the uh, Council of Governments uh, have representatives who go out, they work with every community, regardless of size, uh, and every county. Uh, they ask them early on, probably in the fall sometime, what are your primary capital needs that you can't fund yourself? Um, and uh, give me five, give me your top five and put them in order, rank them one through five. So we actually get a booklet that shows us, you know, uh, um, in my particular instance, Alamogordo, Tularosa, uh, Cloudcroft, uh, Ridoso, Ridoso Downs, Corona, Carrizoso. And each one of those communities has worked with us and they put them in order. So, and they have a, a, a dollar amount on it. Uh, and then when we get together and we find out how much money we have as individuals, we get together with everyone who touches Lincoln County. Mm -hmm. And then I get together with a bunch of people who touch Otero County and a few people who, who touch Chavez County, which I'm still involved. Yeah. And, and we put all that together and we know how we can combine money, not, not double up the money, but, combine the money to make sure that at least some of those projects get done 100% uh, and some of the smaller projects, uh, maybe if you were looking for four police cars, $100,000 or $150,000, uh, we can probably make that happen too. But we really look for infrastructure issues, especially water. You know, water is, is just so critical to the state of New Mexico. So Tularosa, four of the five requests they have are for uh, improving the water system, the sewer system, and, and expanding their system to accommodate more of the residents that they have. So I, I think it's a pretty good system that works if you apply the money correctly. And then once it's agreed to, it all goes up to DFA. And over the course of the year, uh, that uh, once they have uh, uh, contracted for that money to be spent, then the money is, dis is dispersed to those individual communities or the counties. And that's, yeah, the state does try to provide some oversight, which starts to look like bureaucracy, <laughs> but it's, you know, they require a lot of paperwork. They, they require a lot of things be in place ahead of time. The local government has to have audits that show that they manage the money well. Um, so there are safeguards yeah. uh, throughout well, the process. And this is so we don't have another hard rock bus like the Bernalillo County. Right. I mean, this, some of this process is built in so that that taxpayer dollars are being efficiently and correctly spent, right, in these local communities. It's a system of checks and balances, and, and if it's done right, uh, you know, uh, we run into very few problems, if it's done right. Yeah. If it's done right, though, but we're sitting on an absorbent amount of money and capital outlay projects that have not been spent and continue to be asked for reauthorizations. And we've had conversations about how we may need to reform the capital outlay process because of that. So for areas um, when we have projects that are shovel ready, it's frustrating because someone may be sitting on another entity on maybe sitting on money from, you know, 2019 that they haven't gotten on the ground. Yeah. So when we emphasize that these cap these projects that are brought before us need to be shovel ready, we allocate the money, you've got to get to work. And I think some of the frustrations that our local governments is, is sometimes state government seems to work in silos. And so we hear later from our local governments that they may be working on, like you said, a piece of paper that's sitting on someone's desk or an approval that we've been taking months to do. The problem is right now with those capital 
projects is with the inflation rate going up like it is, a project that should have cost a hundred thousand, you know, in a year could, could cost one hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. And so we really do have to start expediting this, making it easier to get one, making sure that the projects really are shovel ready when they come to us, and then two, the state needs to do their part and making sure that we're getting the information out to them so that they can get the project on the ground. While still maintaining the system of checks and balances checks to make sure it is applied correctly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think that's it for, for questions from the audience, but I uh, want to wrap up with just um, where are we at in the process? What's the timeline? When do we, uh, what, are, what are we hearing right now in finance committee and when do we expect uh, ballpark based on previous sessions, uh, House Bill 2, the major budget from the House side to come over? Right now, we're mostly still hearing from the agencies as they come in and tell us they want more money. Uh, it'll probably be next week uh, after House Bill 2 comes from the House to us that then we will start hearing the bills that uh, that are more specific other than general. It'll be a bill for whatever, and uh, we'll have X number of dollars in it. That's when we'll start hearing those bills and start to make those those gotcha. hard decisions where, where yes or no actually means something. Yeah. Well, um, how, how is the, the public able to participate in the process? Did you like to go over, you know, when, when finance meets, how they can participate? Sure, you can tune in. We've been having subcommittees every morning at, at 9 a.m., some water subcommittees. Um, those will continue going for a little while, but we meet every day at 1.30. You can watch us live. But I think as we conclude, uh, we want to emphasize that we work for New Mexico, and we are spending New Mexicans' money. And so this is your money that we are spending here. We want to hear from you, and especially when we're talking about individual budget requests or agency requests when they come before us, uh, send us an email, uh, reach out somehow to let us know, highlight some areas that we should see. You know, that budget comes across and it's this thick. We do not have the time, the resources to go through that entire budget. And so if there's something concerning out there to a New Mexican that wants to bring it to their attention where we um, as Senate finance members can have that conversation let us know. We're happy to carry that message. So, and I was, I'm sorry, I was, I always say, you know, uh, uh, there are multiple columns about how the money will be spent and how much it is, where it's coming from, so on and so forth. But in the far right hand column is it's a little verbiage box. And you want to make sure that you're looking at that verbiage box to make sure that uh, the money, all this, you know, process you're going through and all the money involved is being uh, applied in the proper fashion you want it to be applied. So that last little box on the right-hand side of the budget tells you exactly how that money should be spent. And so you really need to be checking that box to make sure it's, it's applied properly. When you say for water and, and uh, uh, repairs on a sewer system, something like that, and you end up building a water park, which is not a bad thing, that is not was, was not the intent of that. So you have to be very cautious about making sure that once you allocate the money, that it is applied properly, which goes back to uh, Tom's uh, concerns about checks and balances and make sure it's applied properly. So the last thing I want to say to to the world out there, if you if you send us a mass email where we get 500 that say exactly the same thing, that doesn't mean too much to us. Mm-hmm. But also if it just says, please vote against Senate Bill 123 or please vote for Senate Bill 123. I don't know what that is. Why? Yeah, first <laughs> of all, yeah, we don't know what, know what it is. is. Uh, but what we what we really need is this is how you fix it. Add this word, strike this sentence. Very specific. Now I know why it's wrong. And and so that was that's actually what happened with Senate Bill Nine when somebody brought up an, an issue to us. It goes, whoa, we didn't know that poison pill was in there. 
And we, we made several amendments to try to fix that. We still have another fix that's in the works, but it wasn't that we d disagreed with the concept. Somebody pointed out the poison pill and that's what we need. And I think the, the webcasting, um, if somebody's watching our committee hearing and they see the, uh, it's good to look ahead to see what bills we'll be listening to. You can find that on our website, but you can actually comment to that hearing. If you notify the yes. committee ahead of time, you can comment to the whole hearing via the Zoom mm -hmm. and tell us specifically what what it is that concerns you about the bill. That's a really good tool for people to use. And, and last, I, I encourage people to go to New Mexico Legislature. Just type that into your your, your, your uh, search bar, and uh, it'll take you to the New Mexico Legislature website. You can find your legislators. You can find legislation. Uh, you go to specific legislation. And it will tell you not only uh, what the bill looks like in proper form, but as it goes through the process, the amendments that have been made, uh, if there uh, is, is finance or finances attached to this. And, and also it is uh, analysis uh, includes an FIR, which is a financial impact report. And that will give you additional information about the bill and how uh, money will be applied and to make sure that uh, it's applied, uh, applied properly. So it's a, it's a great website, and it's it's very extensive. Uh, just know where to use it. That's right. We're still in session for another, gosh, three three weeks. Thirty-five days. Almost halfway. <laughs> we're almost, week, we're almost halfway. halfway through. So uh, thank you to everybody who tuned in today, and uh, we'll be trying to do uh, a few more of these to keep you guys posted on the process. Uh, very important. This is your money at the end of the day, and we work for you. So thank you. Thank you.